This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. I've been preparing for this all my life. Here's Porter on hard and taking him to school. What a great play by Jay Shante. KJ Martin climbed Bobon Mountain. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. And you've seen tonight that we, we fought together, we stayed together, and it's about damn time, man. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What is up and welcome to another episode of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every single day. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. We're back at only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in the episode. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and partner at Apollo Media, all Houston, all original. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin, the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, as well as at Apollo HOU. And joining us today by way of the Locker Room app, as he does almost each and every week, he's back, ladies and gentlemen, the Athletics' Ali Khan Bijani. How are you, Ali Khan? Good, good. I I know I took a little break last week, but uh, thanks for holding the fort down. I'm KP. Um, I'm back. Let's get this rolling. I almost made, I was like sitting at work earlier today and I almost made like the MJ I'm back graphic for you to like tweet you and just be like, Hey, he's back guys. And then I was like, nah, this is stupid. I'm not doing it, but I'm I'm back from the East coast. All right. East coast is my home for now. So there we go. Well, today we're tackling Christian Wood and his season in review. We're going to kind of go over the expectations that he had placed on him coming into the season, um, how he progressed, how he grew, uh, what we're kind of looking at as, as in terms of like improvement needed this offseason and all of that. So a good place to just kind of start is we're just going to go over the numbers really quickly. So Wood averaged 21 points per game, 9.6 rebounds, 1.7 assists, almost a steal per game, and 1.2 blocks per contest, all on 37.4% from downtown, 51.4% from the floor, and almost 60% true shooting, uh, 0.591. And then just, unfortunately, 63.1% from the free throw line. This was his fifth year, fifth NBA campaign for Christian Wood, the first prominent role that he has held, being somewhat of a, not quite a journeyman, but just really trying to establish himself in the NBA. And Alicom, the expectations for Christian Wood coming into the season, I think everybody had very lofty expectations because of that stint that he had uh, at the end of last season uh, when Andre Drummond was shut down and he filled in as the starting center for the Pistons. He started putting up ridiculous numbers. He had that stretch of about 15 games where it, you know his numbers, the stats were just jumping off the page. And there were a lot of people that thought that this, you know, those numbers might not have been true to what he was actually going to be able to bring to a real team. Coming in, did you expect him to be able to fulfill those numbers and really deliver on what he was able to do as a starter with the Pistons? Or did you think that some of that might have been kind of fluff given he was just playing, you know, on a bad team with nobody else to, you know, take the shots? You know, I I, I figured that when he first started off um, during the season, he probably would have got, had gotten off to a good start, which he did. He actually did get off to a good start. But as the season went on and there was more film on him, you saw teams adjusting the way they play. And what I mean by that is they know a few things that are now on the scouting report. 
For example, you've talked about this a lot. If I talk about it, pretty likely still a coach has figured this out a long, long, long time ago. He likes the ball in the move. He likes to go for one one quick move. If that move doesn't work, he likes to spin the opposite way and kind of use his shoulder to you know put up a shot. If that doesn't work, he'll pass it back out. There, you know, that that's the one thing that we're learning about Christian Wood is that he's still young, not just by age, but also by maturity of his game. He's so skilled and talented. I think he has one of the softest touches for a big man in the league. But what he's going to have to improve upon, not just his strength, which we know about, it's his ability to counter the way defenses are playing him. And now as the season has gone on, you, you're seeing that he was able to make different reads and become a better passer. And playing alongside, I think, a second big is good for him because now he can actually be useful as a versatile big man in the fact that he can screen, he can roll, he can pop, he can do different things. And the way that Coach Silas wanted to use him to start the season, kind of using in multiple different positions across the perimeter, whether it's the corner, the slot, or the top of the key, he can actually do that interchangeably with Keldy Olenek. So it really unlocks his game even more. So I've, I'm not surprised by the season he had, but I think that he could have done more as the season went on as he uh, picked up more things. And if he stayed healthy, he could have had more opportunities and more reps to do so. I'm glad you bring up, I mean, we, we've commented on it and I know that I've commented on it, not even, you know, on our show together, but just his feathery touch, the ability that he has to just, you know, get the ball right on the rim and so many shots where, you know, he just gets to his spot in the paint, elevates over the defender and is able to just put that nice soft touch on it to where the ball just, you know, gently kind of bounces around a little bit, rolls in, um, the ability kind of to finish through some contact at times. That's what really stood out to me, especially early on in the season as we were first getting acclimated to Christian Wood and what he really brought to the table. But Alicon, we're talking expectations coming into the season. Christian Wood expected when he signed to play alongside James Harden and Russell Westbrook. And then suddenly, you know, Russell Westbrook is gone before the start of the season. He's got a new point guard, John Wall. James Harden forces himself out after nine games in. And then suddenly, Christian Wood becomes the focal point of this Rockets offense. That's probably not something that he was expecting coming into this season. Yeah, and I think if you look at the way they were defending John Wall and later when they added Kevin Porter Jr., they still looked at Christian Wood as a focal point just because of the way that Steven Silas likes to use him. I think as the season went on, they really opened up and unlocked his game. And I think the best stat for me to really exemplify that is the fact that in 10 of his last 18 games played, he had at least three assists. Now, why that stands out is because he only had four, he only had four such games like that in his first, I think, 20-something games of the season. So as the season went on, they were, uh, they were able to allow him to um, you know, be a better passer. But that's also because the personnel around him changed where – the ball handlers were able to move and get him the ball in space. When James left and they only had John and John was injured, it's a lot more difficult for a big man like that to continue to have to create his own shot. But if he's able to go on the move, which he is, which we all know right now is his strength, and he has ball handlers who are capable of getting him the ball on the move, that's when he's at his best. And so I think we're going to see that kind of trend continue to rise, along with the fact that he's going to add counters to his game. He's even talked about some of the different areas he wants to improve on. Um, and I think he's going to take a big step next season. Um, as long as he comes back showing that he took the way defenses were game planning for him and adjusted accordingly. Coming up, we're talking Christian Wood's best game, his worst game. Where did he grow the most? Uh, can he be 
a number one option on a team for the entirety of the season or, or even not even just for we're talking regular season, but for a team with, you know, down the line championship aspirations. And we're going to get there after a quick message from our friends over at Michelob, because we've got your pit Michelob ultra player of the week. And this week, we're doing, a, we're doing a little twist on the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week because this week it is none other than Rockets legend Vernon Maxwell. The reason why is because Mad Max has tweeted exactly 1,741 times. And I think about 1,500 of those are him just cyberbullying the absolute hell out of the Utah Jazz. So just like putting up numbers in his playing days, Max's Twitter numbers are off the charts. And you know who else's numbers are off the charts good? Michelob Ultra, only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. If the Jazz manage to lose this series against John Morant and the Grizzlies, you know Max is going to be all over it. So why not kick back with a Michelob Ultra and enjoy the fireworks? Are you happy because you win or do you win because you're happy? Vernon Maxwell and Rockets fans everywhere are certainly happy when he takes to the Twitter streets to slam the Utah Jazz, and that is why he is your Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, chatting by way of the Locker Room app with the Athletics' Alikhan Bijani. Now, Alikhan, before we get into Wood's best game, worst game, I, this is a topic that you and I have spent some time on, and we want to revisit this as we're kind of looking at Wood's season and reflecting on things, can he realistically be the first option on a team? He's the first option on this team. Um, I think maybe the only person that might disagree with that is John Wall himself. But can Christian would be the first option on a team with regularity? Or do you think he is better suited after this first year in a Rockets uniform as the second or third option on a team? You know, so my point is going to be made based off of this stat. So he averaged, I think, around six free throw attempts per game in his final 20-ish games played. And he only had around four, um, or even less than around three, the, his first 15 or so games. The reason why I bring that up is because he became aggressive. And how did he become aggressive? He took advantage of mismatches. Running in transition, getting switches. Running in pick and roll with John Wall, forcing a switch. Running in pick and roll with Kevin Porter Jr., getting a switch along the perimeter, then diving inside the paint and trying to post up and seal inside. He's being a lot more aggressive. And I think that's something that you can do. Does that mean he can be a first option? Not necessarily. I don't think he's going to be a alpha first option for a team, but he has a chance to maybe be a secondary or a tertiary option with, with the ability to punish smaller guys on switches. He's been very good at that. I'm um, showing this season. And I'm inclined to agree. I, I think that, as we've seen, I think his role, you know, is going to best be suited as kind of a good two-way big because we forget that he was making strides defensively before the ankle injury, and I think that's something that is worth bringing up that he was lo- yeah, that he, he was occupying his space really well. Uh, sorry, go ahead. I was like, he, he, you're absolutely right, Jackson. He definitely improved his de- uh, he improved defensively because I, I did a podcast with someone else, somebody else before the start of the season. That was my biggest question mark for, um, for him. You know, is he going to be able to hold his own in the paint? He did that, and I think he showed me that he's able to hold his own also on the perimeter against speed, guard, speed guards as well. So the fact that he can slide his feet, that's a great sign. It's just, you know, he has to be able to take the next step. Can he take the next step? Like I said, I think he can, but I just don't think he's going to be a number one option. 
the way Salas' offense is and the way everything is, I think John Wall, as long as he's on this team, is the first option. You can make the argument for Kevin Porter Jr. But I think John Wall, he can get to his spot, especially in that mid-range late in the fourth. He can knock those down. When it comes to Christian Wood, I still think it's best for him to take advantage of mismatches that he thinks that he can win. And that doesn't mean that he's not a first option. That just means that he may be better suited to play off of other people. We're going to we're gonna focus on the, the games here in a second, but another kind of branch off of this is we did see Christian Wood paired alongside Kelly Olenek, which was an experiment that we were all, you know, wondering how that was going to pan out two bigs on the floor at the same time. Granted, Wood and Olenek are both similar in that they're both kind of these multi-positional bigs that can slot between the four and the five. So it wasn't like a traditional, you know, prototypical, oh, he's got to be the five next to Christian Wood. But in your eyes, Ali Khan, coming into the season, I think we all viewed Christian Wood, you know, almost exclusively as a five option for this team. And now we're seeing that he can really play both positions, which really helps from a roster construction standpoint moving forward, that you know now that Christian Wood can play the four effectively and has the foot speed, the awareness, the defensive IQ to be able to stay with some of those quicker, you know, maybe smaller wing type players at the four spot. Yeah, I think what Kelly Olenek allows him to do, which is an adjustment that Steven Salas made late, is that Kelly Olenek played against the bigger bigs, um, or the I guess the beefier bigs is a better way to say it, um, the last few weeks of the season. That allowed Christian Wood to roam the perimeter, be somebody who can disrupt the action from the weak side, be a weak side shot blocker. He he, I think there was a game where he had um, he had multiple blocks and it occurred. I think it was in March or April or May, but these are these are like later towards the season as he's becoming more um, of a weak side kind of perimeter player. I'm not comparing the two. I'm just giving a visual example because the playoffs are on currently. The way the Lakers use Anthony Davis when they have Andre Drummond on the court, they have, and they have Anthony Davis as somebody who plays the weak side, and they can use him to roam around and play the passing lanes, but also switch on to perimeter players. I think that's what you see as the best case scenario for Christian Wood. He can play the five if you need to, and he can be that big. He's been a lot more attentive as a drop coverage big, meaning he's calling out the coverages. He's telling his guys on the perimeter, hey, we're, we're running ice, meaning I'm going to force the ball handler towards the perimeter. Or, you know, we're doing this. He's calling those coverages out. What he, what he is probably better at doing, though, is if he's playing from the weak side, he can get and switch onto smaller and quicker guards and allow Kelly Lynn to stay towards the paint and not have to be on the perimeter himself. I think those are different ways this scheme is going to continue to change or just adapt to the fact that you have two bigs like that who can play well together. We mentioned his aggressiveness earlier and why he started to, you know, look like almost a different player as the season progressed uh, and just, you know, really becoming more aggressive, finding his own shot. Um, But if you had to narrow it down, Ali Khan, to one area that, Christian would improve the most for me it would probably have to be defensively because like you that was a big question coming into the season is what he was going to look like defensively and then those early goings man I mean the the first 10 or so games 10-15 games were really some rough waters for him defensively and then you really saw him start to come into his own really understanding things uh, becoming more aware defensively of how he can impact the game using his size, using his athleticism, uh, his length defensively, being able to 
just handle opposing bigs a little bit better, really, again, occupying his space. So for me, that was my takeaway is that he really picked it up defensively. Uh, you can look at the offensive numbers and be blown away by that. But to me, that was my takeaway for you. Where was his area of you know growth that really stood out to you? Man, I, there's a lot of different areas. I think for me, I was not as – I was not as knowledgeable as passing as I was later to throughout the course of the season. I think he can be a good passer and, and that plays well into some of the four or five pick and roll that we saw. And we've discussed with KJ Martin, Kelly Olenek, the fact that if they run that pick and roll and woods, the screener, you can have wood on the short roll kind of passing. I think it's, it's good. And something as the Rockets add more shooting as a priority for them this summer, that he can kind of continue to unlock moving forward. All right, so if we're looking at his his best games and worst games of the season, or just if we're trying to single them out as probably his best game and worst game of the season, which one do you want to do first? Do you want to try and look for try and figure out his his worst game or best game first? Let's do worst game, and then I guess we can get that out of the way and he can go to the best game. All right, so if we're going worst game, there's a couple in what here that think? I can't. I mean, I think that. Him against the Nets was a little rough around the edges, but if memory serves, he was still kind of fresh back from the ankle injury around that time, I believe. I could be mistaken on that. Uh, Double-checking my math here. Uh, I think that was one of the first few games that he had back after coming back from the ankle injury, was it? Let me see. Mm -hmm. Where was Brooklyn? Yeah, I mean, it was, you know what, fifth, sixth game back from the ankle injury. Um, Really quiet night from him. And I kind of distinctly remember that that evening because I think he just, he looked really, I don't say defeated, that's too strong of a word, in the second half, but he wasn't involved in the offense hardly at all. Only 12 shot attempts, only hit four of them, uh, only walked away with like three rebounds or something. Just a really quiet night overall for him in that game. Um, And so that was probably... In my eyes, his worst game? For me, there's there's different games that I could possibly choose from. I think one that really stood out to me was there was a game they lost in New Orleans, and I think that was back in April. Um, He was a minus 15, one of six from three, um, 311 shooting overall. I mean, you know, he got to the free throw line, but, you know, it's just he wasn't comfortable offensively and I think that really that's one thing for him is he needs to be able to get comfortable that if his shot's not falling let me do the other things for his team to be successful I think for me that was one of the low games um I think overall he had a lot of really good games, which is why it's really hard for us to kind of nitpick you know which games he struggled with the most because he's played well honestly for most of the season so far there were hiccups throughout the game that he had like there were there are some moments where I would look to my right or left and I would talk to you know, Kelly could drop the thing with Jonathan Fagan. Like, you know, that's that was a mistake, right? I mean, like, you know, you, you can tell like, he's learning in the system. But for the most part, he did show progress each game about what he's doing to get better. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. I think that does make it difficult. His consistency, which was, again, one of those areas that we talked about kind of expectations coming into the season. You know, yes, he was clearly very talented coming into the season. He had an ability to score the basketball. He he showed prowess in the rebounding department. There were a lot of things that he showed flashes of in that short stint with the Detroit Pistons. But the concern was, can he deliver consistently over the course of an 82 or, in this case, a 72-game season? And granted, he had the ankle injury. He missed some time. Uh, you know, he, he missed a, a grand total of, what was it, like, 
30 some odd games from this season. He only played 41 games this season. So that is also concerning. That that is, you know, can is he is this going to be an issue moving forward? Can he can he be durable? Can he really honestly? I think I know we're gonna get to this later, but I'll just bring it up now, Jackson. I mean, the biggest question mark for me with Christian Wood is can he stay healthy? You can talk about the ankle strength, you can talk about the upper body strength, you can talk about everything in terms of strength, but can he stay healthy? Can he be there for his team? Can he consistently play thirty minutes a night without his body breaking down if he has an injury? That's my honest question. Yeah, and it's and it's a very valid concern, and it's something that we might circle back to here in a second in our final segment as we work on you know what we'd like to see improvement out of him moving forward. Um, but we got to pay, and you know, I, I again, I'm in agreement with you. He did deliver. He had a really strong season. It makes it really hard to sit here and nitpick and try and find you know his quote unquote worst game, but his best game might honestly be the game that was overshadowed by. Kevin Porter Jr. And that was the game against the Milwaukee Bucks where he was great that game. Yeah. He was, he was incredible that game had 31 I say, points. I, I, yeah, will go say ahead, though go ahead. that I, I was going to say just on Kevin Porter Jr. on that game though, you know, he played, I think that, that, you know, when we talk about, can he be number one option, Jackson? I mean, that's a great example of that. He played off of a number one guy. Right. And that, that's going to be key for him. Can he continue to do that? Can, can he continue to do that with both John Wall and Kevin Porter Jr.? Sorry. No, not a problem. And I, I will say that a, a runner-up could potentially be, and this one from an emotional standpoint, and also because he didn't get overshadowed by a 50-piece, um, you could maybe make the argument that that very first game after uh, the James Harden trade where the Rockets played against the Spurs in San Antonio, the Rockets won that game uh, by just four points, Wood posted 27 and 15. And that was like that wake-up moment where you were like, oh, oh, Okay, like uh, you know, James Harden's gone. A lot of the game was highlights of him. A lot of the game, if you look back on it, were highlights of him and what he did. Yeah, and so I I think you can make a really strong argument that that one, based both not just on the numbers and the quality of that, but also also they got the win and the emotional aspect of it was that was really truly the start of the Rockets' new era. They had officially moved on from the James Harden saga, and Christian Wood stepped out and dropped twenty-seven and fifteen in his first game as you know not maybe necessarily the face of the franchise, right? But the new guy on the block and it really opened everybody's eyes to what he could develop and turn into. So I think that's a strong candidate as well. Yeah. I I will say that was actually going to be my choice. I think my honorable mention is going to be the game against Dallas in April when they won. Um, he had a great game that day. I remember he was shooting well in the third quarter, kept the Rockets in it. They eventually took the lead and he also had a good game defensively too, kind of limiting Luca and others in the paint. Coming up, Ali Khan and I are going to discuss where we'd like to see improvement from Christian Wood moving forward. We're going to try our best to predict his stat line. And if you're in the locker room audience right now and you want to jump up on stage and throw in your two cents, talk about Christian Wood, give us your thoughts and opinions on his season, you can do so. But first, we've got a quick message from our friends over at Built Bar. Look, Built Bar is the number one protein bar on the market right now. And the reason why, they're not 
they're really not protein bars. They're basically candy bars that are jam packed with protein. They've got so many amazing flavors to choose from. You got raspberry, double chocolate, peanut butter, brownie, salted caramel. You just cannot go wrong with any of the flavors that they have available. Every single bar is low cal, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. Amazing. If you're on a keto diet and you can check them out, just go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked 15 and you'll get 15% off your very first order. Again, that's promo code locked 15 for 15% off at builtbar.com. Another message from our friends over at betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. We got baseball season in full swing. NBA playoffs are here, just not for the Houston Rockets. And you can get all of that info, news, odds, as well as NHL and UFC over at BetOnline. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get in on the action. So head over to their website and use promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, for a 50% welcome bonus bonus on your very first deposit bet online your online sportsbook experts and final segment here at locked on rockets part of the locked on podcast network today on our road to the finals our nba playoffs coverage is brought to you by Michelob ultra it's only worth it if you enjoy it and at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories we can all enjoy the playoffs a little bit more this season continuing our conversation with the athletics ali kambijani by way of the locker room app Alicon, first thing that I'm going to say about Christian Wood and the area he needs to improve in is free throw shooting. We talk about him being a number one option, and he has to figure out whatever his issue is at the charity stripe if that even wants to be a topic of, of debate realistically. Even as a second or third option, for somebody who shoots the ball as well as he does, just from everywhere really, behind the arc, inside, he needs to become better at the charity stripe. Don't you agree? Yeah, 63% is not going to cut it, ever. He's not going to be able to play late in games if he shoots like this. Kelly Olenek is a much better free throw shooter than him currently. But that being said, you want both of them on the floor, especially in crunch time when you need to. And if you want to kind of hold a lead, if he can't knock down free throws for you, then that kind of creates some issues for you with matchups and defensive assignments and things like that. Because you would like to think he will eventually become one of your better plus defenders. As far as other areas that need to be improved upon, and we kind of hit on a, a handful of these in rapid succession last segment, but we talk about the injury concerns. And that's not necessarily something that can be, I mean, obviously we can talk about the the ankle strengthening, conditioning, all of that, you know, the, the Steph Curry regimen of, uh, of figuring out how to, you know, be more preventative and take care of his ankles so that we don't see those recurring injuries. I will say that maybe he's not like predisposed to like, you know, injuries of that caliber, but we did see him get injured early in the season and then come back from that ankle injury and then re- basically re aggravated it, you know, after five games. So he yeah. hurt the ankle. Then, right, I'm trying to remember how many times it was the same ankle. Like, what? Like, it felt like a million different times he rolled the same ankle, I think but it was, it was about two or three times individually that he had those issues. Yeah. And so I think you're, you're looking at something that was, more than likely the reason that he was sidelined for an you know an extended stretch the 17 games that he missed is because it wasn't 100% when he was back playing on it so then he hurts it again and this time it did more damage because it wasn't 100% to begin with and that's why yeah. the severity of it was a lot worse the second time around because hey he only missed 3 games the first time he rolled it yeah but it, 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 
Yeah, and, and you know, like w- w- one thing, one thing, just besides the injuries too, because you know, I think I think we both agree. I think, I think it's a very important point. Obviously, that he needs to stay healthy. He needs to show that he can be a durable player to earn that trust, continue trust, and why they brought him in here and why he continue. Whenever we interview, you always hear that big talk from him that hey, you know what? I'm the franchise guy. I want to be the franchise player, but he has to show he can stay healthy to do so. I'm going to go in a little bit different direction. I've talked about it previously. I think Carly has brought it up in the chat as well about needing a stronger left hand. That goes into my point. You now have a full season of tape. The coaching staff on opposing teams and scouts have a full season of tape. Look at how they defended you over the course of the season. When you were by yourself and when you were playing with others. When you were playing by yourself, those are situations probably next year when you're going to be running a bench unit. When you're playing with others, those are probably situations where you're you know, you're learning how they're playing you overall kind of throughout the game with other perimeter players. That is prime real estate for you to be able to break down the film, understand, and get better. I think that that's going to be his biggest thing. Can he break down the film, show improvement, and create counters? He has to create counters. It can't just be, I'm isolating on the right block. I'm going to go with my right hand. I'm going to spin. If the spin's not there, I'm going to bump him with my shoulder. I'm just going to kind of bump up in the air and kind of draw a foul. No, you can't do that. You have to have counters present. Teams know your counters. What are the counters to their counters to your counters? Let's get a couple of our locker room listeners up here on the stage. So we had Damien waiting for ages. So let's get Damien up here. What's up, Damien? How's it going, man? Hey, what's up, man? Can you guys hear me good? Yeah, we got you. Perfect. Okay. So we were talking about concerns regarding Christian Wood. Um, I haven't really seen anyone point this out yet. If anything, uh, this is one thing that he does almost every single game. Whenever he's going in, doesn't get a call for a foul, he starts uh, bickering. I don't know, like he just looks disappointed, puts his hands up, uh, and he lets the uh, the opponent just run to the rim. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. That he doesn't, yeah. you know, just run back on defense immediately. He just waits, and that's just one thing that always pisses me off about him. That you know, like wasting time and like go back on defense. It's it's definitely an area that we saw. Both, and this is something to be expected with younger players, right? And this is something, you know, I've definitely spent a little bit of time talking about before, but it's worth mentioning again. And Damien, thank you for bringing it up. But, you know, and Christian Wood has addressed this post game, right? You know, he, he's mentioned in some of the post game pressers saying, Oh, I, I think I've, you know, I spent too much time you know, being concerned with foul calls or, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, you know, but, you know, not focused on the game essentially. And, I think that's something that takes a lot of growth and maturity for a player who, for all intents and purposes, is in his first year with a prominent role, right? Getting consistent minutes on a nightly basis. He's becoming, as Ali Khan has illustrated, right? Defenses are now game planning for him on a nightly basis, trying to take away his sweet spots, making life hell for him. And for a player like that to have the usage rating he does to be the focal point of the offense the way that he is – to drive to the basket and, and, you know, yes, there are plenty of times that he's received contact where, you know, he pro- he maybe should have gotten a foul call, but it takes some maturity to be able to separate yourself from that moment and think, okay, yeah, maybe I'm upset. I didn't get the call, but I need to bust my ass and get back on defense so that I'm not letting my team play five on four in transition or something like that. And that's definitely an area that hopefully we'll see him continue to grow in because I do think he got a little bit better about that and not being nearly as caught up or animated uh, near the tail end of the season as he was earlier on. He's talked about that, and I think that's a big thing for him. It's a good question. Like, when, when you're not getting the shot, you can make your point, but you need to continue to get back in the play. That They were one of the worst teams in the league in transition at points last year, 
that's a lot because sometimes they would complain, allow their guy to run, just run past by them, or they would waste too much time trying to secure an offensive rebound that clearly wasn't going to go to them. So there, there are you know things that are going to continue to improve. They're a young team in that way. Um, but I, I think overall, though, that he is learning how to create and draw contact, especially when he's going against smaller players. I think that's going to become one of his bread and butters as his career goes on. Got anything else for us, Damian? Uh, no, man. Just I love you guys' work, man. I'm going to keep saying it. You guys are awesome. Uh, yo, you guys always get me through, you know, the bad days with the Rockets. It's been pretty bad season. So just keep doing you guys. Hopefully you get some good news in the lottery, man. I hope so, too. Thanks for listening. All right. Appreciate you, Damian. Let's get another speaker up here. We got Drew. What's up, Drew? Not much, Jackson. How you been, man? I'm hanging in there, man. How about yourself? Uh, very well. I had just, first of all, wanted to start off by thanking you and congratulating you. You have been on fire the last couple weeks with the uh, Armoni Brooks interview, the Bill Worrell interview, filling in for uh, Locked On NBA. Uh, we, we are just in a period of Gatlin sanity right now. Uh, you are killing it, my brother. Um, but I wanted to uh, address a couple things with Christian Wood. I, I didn't actually have time to do any research on this. I didn't know that was what we were talking about today. Uh, but, yeah, I, I have a feeling that center is not really the best spot for him on our team. And the reason for that is strictly defensive. I, I think he's made great improvements on his defense. I really do. Like, there were times before the ankle injury when you could see his brain working. You could tell that he was able to identify what the right time to rotate off of his man to go help out. Uh, he, you know, he's definitely making strides. But I just don't know if he's got enough sand in the pants to be able to handle a center role. I, I think that, you know, power forward is where I really see him slotting in nicely going forward, especially on offense, because um, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't have any numbers in front of me here, but isn't he our best shooter from behind the arc? I think, I don't remember where Sterling Brown's numbers finished, uh, but he's he was definitely right up there with Sterling Brown. Yeah, for he's not a chunk the best, of the season. But he, in my opinion, and I think opinion of all other opposing teams, he's one of the best shooters on the team. And there's a handful of centers around the league that teams respect in terms of their perimeter shooting. He has now become one of them. Yeah, and he really likes to seem to start a lot of his offensive possessions from up there behind the arc. And then, you know, take people off the dribble from up there as opposed to when, when he's posting up. I just, I really don't see him being as effective there. Again, I don't have any numbers on this. I can't verify it uh, quantitatively, but it, it seems like he's better, better set to be on the outside, which is great for Silas's offense. You know, he wants to do five out, but I, I really would rather see somebody who could be a, you know, a strong post presence, especially late in games. Um, I'm, I'm again, not sure about any of the numbers here, but it seems like in the fourth quarter of games, he kind of didn't perform up to the standards that I would want from, you know, a first option guy. Uh, the, the fourth quarters, he seemed to be less effective and be, be able to be taken out of his game uh, a, a lot more easily than he, he is in some of the other quarters. And I don't know if that's a mentality thing or, or if it comes from, you know, him not having necessarily as strong of a post game. But um, it, it did seem a little bit worrying to me that, you know, in the fourth quarter of a lot of games, he, he, he wasn't quite the type of guy that you could feel you could just dump it into 
and let him go to work in the post. Uh, and I know not all centers need to do that. Certainly not in Silas's offense do uh, we need to do that. But it's a nice option to have, you know. It, it would be great if we could get somebody next to him who's a little bit even stronger defensively and who would be able to uh, take some of that pounding inside. Pause. Pause. <laughs> yeah okay so drew drew i i will say that's a great observation that's a good point a couple things on on your end uh, on that just to help you better uh but help better answer that question so when it comes to the the late in the fourth quarter when they like to post up the ball it's when they run their actions on the perimeter and the big will dive inside with the defender who's kind of switching the, the action and they'll get Olenek or Wood matched up against a smaller player. And when that happened, Wood was actually a pretty good number in terms of percentile at scoring over those guys. They primarily they primarily did that with Olenek so they can have Wood in the perimeter to create optimal spacing. And in the games they play together, Olenek would be the one diving and creating the, the switch and the mismatch. And Wood be the one on the perimeter who's playing as a decoy. So in that way, I understand what you're saying. If there are going to be moments where he has to post up. But I think it's better suited for, like you said, for this five-out offense if he's doing that base off of mismatches. And also, um, when it comes to having an additional big, I think that is definitely something they should definitely consider. I mean, it's not just enough to have Olenek here. It's not just enough to have Wood here. You need to have a good defensive big that you can play with in certain spots and situations. They preach versatility here. Pretty confident they're going to be looking for a big in the offseason just to kind of be able to bring in and provide some depth um, to this team. Back to the Anthony Davis uh, comparison that uh, I hope that Carly took notes of earlier with Alicon saying that Christian Wood is going to be better than Anthony Davis ever was. Um, but back to that, right? You know, we see the Lakers doing it consistently with slotting AD at the four and having a, a true five next to him. And then situationally going, quote unquote, small with AD at the five. And I think that's the best case scenario moving forward for the Rockets is being able to utilize Christian Wood uh, as a four moving forward, getting a true five next to him, and then having the option, having the flexibility, depending on matchups, depending on what the opposing team looks like, to be able to slot him where they desire. Because then if it's more advantageous to have him at the five, play him at the five. But if he's better suited at the four and it's going to you know work well in favor for the Rockets, then so be it that way. But Drew, appreciate you coming up on the stage, man. It's always nice to hear from you. My pleasure, Jackson. Thanks. All right. We got one more speaker in here before we uh, shut this down and do Locked on Rockets after dark, which I don't know if Ali Khan's going to stick around for this one. Might break our hearts again. But seeing as how he's on East Coast time and he's an old man and he's to go to bed, we've got Don, who was really awesome, who's always awesome when we bring him up on stage. What's up, Don? How's it going? Hey, how's it going, guys? Hey, Don. All right. Uh, so my one thing I think Christian Wood can improve on is a lot of times he'll get the ball in the low post, whether he drives down there or he gets fed the ball, and then he'll just really go tunnel vision. And like I, I remember yeah. times where he'd be triple teamed, and he just ended up forcing up a shot rather than passing out to obviously at that point you have two teammates that are open. So I think one thing I think he could work on is you kind of touched on him improving passing as like a, a secondary playmaker or like a, on the short roll and things like that. I just think like passing from the block, like when that double comes and kind of like recognizing mm-hmm. the double coming earlier, so that mm-hmm. way he can start to look for his teammate that's open. That's the one thing I think he really needs to work on. Yeah. So 
No, that's a terrific point, Don. I actually, I, I remember going through my notes before we did the show tonight. I counted three times I wrote that down in different games through the second half of the season or I think throughout the season where it's like, um, I, I point at the time, the time stamp and I wrote needs to pass, needs to do a better job of passing on double teams. He, he, he clearly has situations where, you know, you're absolutely right. He will take on that shot. He doesn't necessarily look for the double team. He knows it's coming, but he won't necessarily have the timely passes. And if he, even if he passes it out, it's in a situation where the defense can already rotate back. That is definitely a concern. I think that you will notice, especially when those bench lineups next season, since you're hoping that a lot of the guards are back healthy and he's running the, he's helping run the second unit in those bench lineups when he has the ball, they're going to double team him. I mean, why not? And if you're going to double team him, he has to do a good job of recognizing that and making those passes. Yep, absolutely. So that's all I got for, for this week. Thanks for answering my question but or responding to my question. But thanks, guys. I'm, yeah, thanks, Don. I'm go back. Appreciate it, Don. Thanks a bunch. Always great to hear from you. Uh, that kind of brings us to the end of our regular show. Now, if you're in the locker room, you know the drill. Sit tight. We got Locked on Rockets after dark coming up in just a second. But Ali Khan, I appreciate you being back here with the, the, this this week. Do you have anything you want to say to everybody now that you uh, are, are back in your regular rotation? No, 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 thanks. Thanks for guys for following. You can follow me on Twitter, Rockets underscore Insider. Have some good stuff coming up soon. As always, thank you so much for listening. We look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.